without now I'm starting to understand your connection between internalized morals, gatekeepers, and then technocracy. Because the technocracy says, listen to me, I am the authority because I've studied the books, right? And because mm-hmm. I know you ought to listen to me. And so in one sense, it dispenses authority based on study or a certificate of PhD. Um, and they tell you what's right and wrong to believe, what's proper societal practices and what's not. Well, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that in a, in a certain respect, if you take Anthony Fauci as a, as a technocrat, what he does is he builds up a moral system in people's head based on his position. Wear your face mask uh, so that you can protect other people. Get a vaccine shot so that we can stop the spread of this. Not appealing to anything else that the citizens or the populace is interested in, but merely appealing to his, to his own morals, his own what he sees as right. And he's dispensing a law, so to speak. He, he's promulgating a law into people's heads that this is the way it should be because I've studied the science or I'm in the place of authority. So therefore you should follow what I'm saying. So I guess what I'm saying is that he's a gatekeeper in the sense that he, he gives people particular thoughts and then he poo-poos and chews away other thoughts that aren't in line with what he has been teaching or what he sees as good for the populace or good for society. So he's a gatekeeper because he's a technocrat and he uses his internalized morals to influence everyone else's way of thinking. And I'm not sure if that's exactly where you were going, but in my head, like that's how I'm working it out. Well, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. If I could also uh, make something else very clear, we are not trying to attack Anthony Fauci. We are trying to attack the way that people are thinking today. Frankly, we're not just attacking one person. We're literally attacking at this point the whole entire way that a nation is thinking. Like the whole entire thing. Because honestly, my father-in-law does the same exact thing with Trump as far as he follows Trump because, well, he has the experience because he's a businessman and he knows how to run organizations that are big and multinational. That is still, you're still looking at an appeal to a technocrat through internalized morals to build a gatekeeper. Like this is the same transaction that, or it can quite easily be the same transaction, but in a different direction. It's not specifically just this one person and we're not trying to attack anybody we're trying to dissect the way that people are thinking like i want to keep that very clear like if you want to if you listen to this and you decide that you don't want to change anything that's i mean that that hurts but that's fine (laughs) we're not trying like we're not trying to tell you don't listen to anthony fauci that's definitely not what we're trying to say we're saying is if you're going to listen to him don't do it based off of an internalized moral system a moral system built off of the morality you, you, you've constructed on, on the inside, as we Americans often, often do. But yeah, yeah, pretty much that's, what, that's the way I would kind of put it. And I would add another dimension to it because there were two different things that happened during COVID that really shook me. I was walking through Publix one time, right? They have a Publix and, um, in Charleston? 
Yeah, man. We have a lot of Publixes in Charleston. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Um, we also got a place called Lowe's, and it's not the outdoor place. It's not like the you want to work on your house and you so you go get like a new toilet at Lowe's type thing. It's actually <laughs> there's another one. It's a food place, and man, if that place ain't fancy. <laughs> but anyway, we're going through Publix, right? And I um, this is like the this is when COVID is really starting to freak everybody out, and people are talking about hey, wear your mask. Hey, wear your mask. Like this is the beginning of wear your mask season. Um, and one of the, I, I hear over the radio, um, like the, I think it's like the CFO or CEO or something like that of Publix saying like, wear your mask. We're all in this together. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. That's dangerous. And I will explain why in a second. It's the same thing as the argument right now for why you should get vaccinated. Let's say I wanted to convince you, Elijah Lane to get vaccinated, whether you're vaccinated or not. I don't want the public to know unless you want them to know and you're being very like proud and open about it, but I'd rather leave it kind of either way. Let's suppose I wanted to convince you to be vaccinated. What's one of the number one arguments I would use against you? It'd probably be, well, COVID, like the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. It stops you from spreading it. So you should actually get the vaccine for other people. An internalized moral system. I am appealing to your sense of guilt. I am telling you that this is morally incorrect because it should make you feel guilty. You should wear your mask because we're all in this together, an internalized moral system. It is wear your mask or be the one left out. This is the difference in an internalized moral system. An internalized moral system, and we need, the United States needs an internalized moral system to function at their certain capacity because of the inconsistency of how we view religion, which we'll get into in a second. But it is still very dangerous to have because of a lot of the implications that that we'll we'll talk about as as we continue talking but did that did that make sense and do you feel like that applied to what you were saying absolutely absolutely i think we're i think we're on the same page right now on the same paragraph and sentence baby all right so let me ask since we're on the same page where do you think that internalized morals have come throughout history i frankly am guessing if i told you my opinions on where it came from history um but it, it's a product of, I'm like 100% certain it's a product of modernity. <laughs> but um, where would you say internalized morals have really come from? Bro, you know we, Tom Holland's book. Ooh, it was, oof, yeah, that was. Tom Holland's book, bro, bro. Dominion. Um, did you listen to the podcast I did on that book? I did not, I did. bro. What? Bro, go I'm listen to, to that the, thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and listen to this, bro. Though I may not buy everything that Tom Holland says, I do accept his general thesis, which is that the Me Too movement, social justice warriors, Black Lives Matter are all expressions of Christianized morality. Morals that are based on individual liberties, on uh, justice, all men being created equal and fair. Bro, there are so many, so many scholars who have pointed out, and I was just reading last night about how the idea of individuality comes from Christianity. There are certain scholars who try to point that, that certain philosophers consider themselves as individuals, but not in the same way that we look at ourselves as individuals. It was more a communal thing back in the day. 
I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but but um, I believe that our internalized moral system, how we appeal to other people in terms of persuading them to do or not to do something comes largely and in part from the Bible, whether you want to accept it or not. And this can be pointed out historically in many different respects. I, I personally hold the position that uh, it's, it's cut flower ethics, or cut flower ethics, excuse me. So the idea is, um, this, this came from a Jewish philosopher, I, I don't know, bro, some like 60s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I don't know, bro, but this idea that if you cut a flower from the soil from which it was, you know, flourishing in or that it first grew from, and you put it in a cup, the, that flower may live and exist for a time, but it's eventually going to wither because it was taken from its root system. Mm. I see that that as being Christianity and God being taken out of the picture. So we still like to appeal to these ethics, these morals, uh, but it doesn't have the same oomph and thunder that it did because it doesn't stand on God as the final cause. Listen, so a good book to read, man, um, is from Francis Schaeffer, Big Shock. I'm reading it right now as I'm trying to study about grass. Read Switched by Dan and Keith. Keith, I think. I don't, I think those are the authors. Anyway, I'm also reading Francis Schaeffer, How Then Should We Live? Yes, sir. And what's interesting is it is, well, hold your horses here, okay? Get ready. You're going to have to brace yourself. It is Tom Holland's Dominion, but from Francis Schaeffer. Have you read it? No, you, but now I, I have Go to. read it. It's so good. Granted, he doesn't start from the beginning like Tom Holland does. But as, as I'm reading it, I'm like, if I had read this before Dominion, honestly, I probably wouldn't change. I wouldn't have changed a single opinion, but I would have felt a lot more equipped for the conversation that was being had. It's super good. And what's interesting is one thing that he points out that I think influences our conversation just a smidgen Protestant Reformation. I think you already know what I'm saying. We've Protestant talked about this a lot. And the and the the um Great Enlightenment happened simultaneously. They were stacked on top of each other. One was in the north, one was in the south. So there's this process where one side of the world is trying to take Christianity back to its original roots. And they're using St. Augustine to do that cuz St. Augustine is also very good at taking Christianity back to its roots. So they are trying to take all this back to what the Bible originally meant, what the Christians originally meant. Meanwhile, in the South, you are having a Christian embraced via the Catholic faith. You're having a Christian faith process of rethinking that will eventually result in humanism and eventually atheism. So, and amongst, and that's not just it. Like there are a bajillion different thoughts that have come from the Enlightenment. And if you tried to track them all, you would have so many different names in Latin that it would be redonkulous. But one constant, <laughs> concern, consistent theme that you are having is the removal of authority, but implication of morality. Um, some points where you can see this happening are, of course, the Dada movement. You have Picasso. You have... Um, Editor Nathan here, just so you know. His name is Marcel Duchamp. Marcel 
Duchamp. I couldn't think of it for the life of me. Editor Nathan out. He's actually one of my favorite artists, even though I don't agree with the way he sees the world at all. He wrote, um, pardon my French, but it actually all the names are in French because this dude is a French dude, but he wrote A Nude Descending the Staircase, number two, even though there was no number one. Um, <laughs> and among amongst many other things like yo he would and, make a number two bro and not have a number one yeah <laughs> anyway that just fire i ain't gonna lie oh, that's man, so original was, i'm not gonna lie it's so original that well yeah that's kind of the point though is that what is the point of a number two if you don't have a number one but the whole dada movement and the point of the dada movement was the removal of truth and understanding and meaning at the same time holding to it at the same time that's a lot of picasso's work picasso was known for deconstructionalism he would take a wine bottle he would break it down to its most basic forms and then reconstruct it and make a wine bottle what would this wine bottle be a circle for the main body a thin circle for a neck and then a little knob at the top for where the cork would be when you look at it you say wine bottle but it's not a wine bottle it's three circles but it looks like a wine bottle. When you see it, you see a wine bottle. It's kind of like the same thing with a stick figure. A stick figure, if you saw a stick figure in real life as a human, you would run away. It is the scariest <laughs> you thing. For real, bro. But when you see a little kid draw it, you know exactly what he's trying to tell you. Mommy, daddy, me, all holding hands. This is yeah, deconstructionalism. Yeah, yeah. And this is where the same conversation is being had. At the same time, you have freaking Zwingli and the Anabaptists trying to cause anarchy in the name of Christ. Like, there's all... I low-key love Zwingli, bro. I love Zwingli, low-key. Uh, People might hate me for that, but I think he's still... Dude, he he's was... He's a man of his convictions, at the least. Yes. That's what I say. Yeah, but he has me worried, because he went to and fro a lot. Like, he really did go to and fro a lot. Like, he would he would be with Anabaptists, and then he would be with not Anabaptists. And so he was just like... But I, I, I would have to say that I don't disagree with you. I think he was just misunderstood. I think I just like the fact that he that he died in war. Like, bro, it's, that that's not a modern idea. No, though. a religious man dying in war no. for what he believes. No, 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 no. So, yo, that's so that's so lit, bro. Yeah, for real. Um, that that is kind of like I was talking with somebody, and they were like, "Well, we as Christians aren't supposed to hate, right?" I was like, "No, we are supposed to hate. We're supposed to hate well. We're supposed to hate right." And she was like, yeah, but we're not supposed to hate people, right? And I told her about in Revelations, where there's a portion of the Bible where saints are telling God, kill those people, kill those people in our name, kill those mm -hmm. people because of our blood. And she goes, yeah, but God told him no, right? I was like, no, he did. He killed him. We forget that there's a lot of times God demands justice. Like, he demands justice. And we as Christians are supposed to demand the same thing. Again, going back to my father-in-law, he'll be like, man, I don't know how to, to deal with this because I know that like there's a lot of people lying today. They're claiming to be Christian, but are they going to heaven? And I told him the only thing, like he's like, I can't tell you if they're going to heaven or not because that's God's role. I was like, you're right, but there is something else. God is a God of justice. Because of that, you are a child of justice, which means when you pray about those people, what you pray is God, you are a God of justice. Be a God of justice now. Amen. So anyway. Interesting, cousin. In Jeremiah, God, God's talking about the Israelites and he tells Jeremiah, do not come to me weeping. Do not come to me praying on behalf of these people because I will destroy them. Like my, my judgment is for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's crazy. Amen. That's amen. Crazy. Anyway, I think we're 
jumping ahead of ourselves, let's stick to the history of internalized morals because we really want to get to the end before we're actually done with the middle. So at this point, I think we can all agree that internalized morals is basically a conjunction of a bajillion different thoughts all being thrown together. And all of it has to do with appealing to the ancestors. So like the way that the people in the Enlightenment saw themselves is that they were going back to the integrity and the authority and the intellectual prowess of the Greeks. That was the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. That's why they refer to the Middle Ages as the Dark Ages, because they want you to think that during the Dark Ages, Thomas Aquinas never existed. Oh, free thought and progress? No, that wasn't around, even though if you go to your, your studying, you'll find out it was there. But they wanted to look like the natural descendants of the Greeks and of the thought that was happening with the Romans and the Assyrians and all of these things. They wanted to be the natural predecessors of those. Likewise, in the North, you've got trying to go back to the original teachings of Christ and the original teachings of Jesus. So you've got all these processes of trying to appeal to the past and a rebellion of the actual ancestors that you have, which is probably one of the one things I do actually feel real sad about with the Protestant Reformation. But also, I mean, like the later half of it that you and I see in the church today because the protestant reformation originally wasn't a rebellion against the roman catholic church it was a desire to see a live the way that christ meant for it to live and then the roman catholic church said no nah, we're not taking part of that and then there ended up being a big hoo-ha afterwards and then there was the hardening of hearts against the roman catholic church and the rebellion of all that antiquity all of that antiquity the roman catholics had was kind of just it wasn't lost we tried to keep it in fact there are denominations that did keep it but at the same time, even the even the Protestant Reformation had its point where it referred to the Middle Ages as the Dark Ages. And it was like, you've, you've lost all that, that good stuff right there. But I would say that internalized morals has come from this tension, the same tension that has given you the Dada movement, the same tension that has given you um, another point. Uh, Sigmund Freud, of course, giving a philosophy of you are what you feel deep down inside, which eventually culminates into homosexuality. And amongst many other things. And basically, you end up with identity politics. And that's where I think internalized morals comes from. And you can see bits and pieces where it can like be bookmarks along the way. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. It, it, makes, it makes more sense, you know, when people understand the history behind it. But definitely. 